Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. All right, ladies, today we are starting the book of 1 Kings. As with 1st and 2nd Samuel, in the Hebrew Bible, 1st and 2nd Kings are one book just called Kings. Due to the size in the Christian Bible, they were separated into two books. So in 1st Samuel, we have the first king of Israel, Saul. Then in 2nd Samuel is the reign of King David. In 1 Kings, we learn of Solomon being king in the first half of the book, but once he dies, the kingdom becomes divided with the ten northern kingdoms of Israel, and then the two southern kingdoms of Judah and Benjamin, they become Judah. The kingdom is never united again, and that is why the key word for 1 Kings is divided kingdom. 1 Kings continues in the storyline of history from 2 Samuel. So let's stop and sing my childhood song of the books of the Old Testament. The first verse was the first five books of the Old Testament called the books of Moses, also known as the law or the Torah or the Pentateuch. And now this verse, verse two, we sing about the books of history and it goes like this. Mm, let us sing the books of history, of history, of history. Let us sing the books of history, which tell of the Jews. First Joshua, second Judges, then the story of Ruth, then first and second Samuel, and first and second Kings, then first and second Chronicles, which give us the record, then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther the Queen. Well, we do not know who wrote First Kings. Many times we think it is either a priest or a sage because those people could read and write. One thing we do see is that this writer is writing a theological history and it is not concerned with brute facts. One way we see this is that kings that do not follow God's way are described as evil or bad, but those that obey God are good kings. Another point that this writer makes is that the Lord God is active in human history. And one way we see that is when God raises up prophets and priests in order to speak on his behalf. We also see divine judgment. When a king obeys God, the kingdom is blessed. When the king does not, punishment comes. And then lastly, the writer makes it a point to show that the line of David, which was promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7, will be an everlasting kingdom. And that is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We also should keep in mind that as with all narratives or stories, we do not get all the information. If we did, we would never read it because it would just be too much. Every writer needs to figure out what is important for the line of the story and what needs to be left out. Sometimes we get all bent out of shape because of what the writer leaves out, 
but we need to remember that what the writer says is the point, and that is what we should focus on. He gives us the information that we need in order to understand the message he's trying to portray. Okay, so now we are ready to take a look at just chapters 1 and 2 today of 1 Kings. King David is old. He's approximately 70 years old. As with many older people, partly because of circulation not working as well and they can't get around as well, he was cold almost all the time. His servants found a young woman to come and minister to him and to lay with him in order to keep him warm. But, quote, he knew her not, unquote. Well, if you remember, David's oldest son, Amnon, was killed by David's third son, Absalom, because Amnon raped Absalom's sister. David had a second son named Chilia, but since he is only mentioned one time, it is assumed that he died somehow. Absalom was the third son that tried to have David killed in order to take his kingdom. Joab, the warrior and commander of the army, killed him even though King David asked him and the other officers to be kind to his son. That places the oldest living son, the fourth son, Adonijah, in the line to be king. Or so he thought. Do, 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 do. Since David was dying, Adonijah takes it upon himself to be made king. He partnered with Joab, who was the king's warrior, and Abiathar, who was the king's priest, who was a descendant of Eli, and they helped Adonijah to try to be king. Well, Zadak the priest and a guy named Benaiah and Nathan the prophet and some of David's other mighty men were on David's side. So Nathan, the prophet that revealed King David his sin with Bathsheba, went to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. He told her to follow his advice so that both Bathsheba and Solomon's life would be spared. So Bathsheba did what Nathan said. She went to King David and said, Did you not say that Solomon your son will reign after you? Then why does Adonijah reign? And while she spoke to the king, Nathan the prophet came in on his cue and told him of Adonijah's taking of the kingship. King David recalled in Bathsheba and said he would keep his word to her and to Solomon. He called in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, and they placed Solomon on the king's mule and had him ride down to Gihon. And Zadok and Nathan anointed Solomon king over Israel, and they used the oil that was from the tabernacle. They blew the trumpet and said, God save King Solomon. And then they brought up Solomon and had him sit on King David's throne. This was all at King David's request. King David appointed Solomon to be the ruler over Israel and Judah. And the people rejoiced loudly. And it was so loud that Joab, who was in another town, with the other king, quote unquote, heard the trumpet. It's interesting that usually it was Joab who was blowing the trumpet because of triumph. But here he hears the trumpet. 
Adonijah and his crew heard all that had happened. They even heard that the king blessed Solomon as king and that he was sitting on the throne and all the men with Adonijah were afraid and ran away. Adonijah was also afraid and ran to the altar and the tabernacle and grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar, begging for his life. King Solomon said, If you live a worthy life, then it will be spared. But if not, you will lose your life. Before David died, chapter 2, David charges Solomon to keep the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, the testimonies, and the ways of the Lord that are found in the law of Moses. He told him to punish Joab for his murders in times of peace. He was to bless those people that blessed David, especially when he had run for his life, and the man that cursed King David when David ran for his life from the kingdom. Solomon was to take care of him. So Solomon told this man to come live in Jerusalem. And as long as he lived in Jerusalem, his life would be spared. But if he ever left Jerusalem, he would die. It only took three years for him to not be afraid. And he ran after some slaves. And when Solomon heard, he had his chief warrior kill him. David died and Solomon's kingdom was established greatly. Well, Adonijah, his brother, did not live wisely. He went to Bathsheba and asked her to ask Solomon for King David's young woman, Abishag, to be his wife. Well, Bathsheba approached her son, who had made a place for her to sit on his right side. She brought the request But Solomon saw it for what it was, a rise to take the kingdom. So Solomon put Adonijah to death that day. As for the priest that sided with Adonijah, Abiathar, instead of death, since he was a priest that had carried the ark, he rid him from the priesthood, which fulfilled the promise made to Eli at Shiloh, that his descendants would be removed from the priesthood. When Joab heard that Solomon was putting his father's wishes to fruition and establishing his own kingdom, Joab feared for his life and ran to the tabernacle of the Lord and clung to the horns of the altar. Solomon sent Benaiah, who told Joab to come forth twice, and Joab refused to come. So Benaiah slew Joab at the altar of the Lord, for his killing of two righteous men, Abner, the captain of the host of Israel, and Amasa, the captain of the host of Judah. The first man Joab killed because Abner killed Joab's brother in battle. The second man he killed because the king had placed him in Joab's position in an attempt to unite the northern tribes and the southern tribes. Benaiah was then placed as captain of the host. Zadok, the priest, replaced Abathar as priest, and King Solomon's kingdom was established by the hand of Solomon. Solomon became king around 965 BC. David had charged him that if he obeyed God, God would bless his kingdom, and if not, the kingdom would suffer. We find out tomorrow that this is exactly what happens. 
But David also reminded Solomon of the everlasting kingdom that God promised him. And we see that clearly in the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, with the lineage of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1 1 starts with Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the first to receive the promise of his descendants with an eternal kingdom. We then see the patriarchs. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah and his brothers, which become the 12 tribes of Israel, and Judah begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar. Now, when we see a break in the pattern, as here, a woman is mentioned, Dr. York calls that the zone of turbulence. When the pattern is broken, the writer is trying to make a point. Tamar, way back in Genesis, was more righteous than Judah, and it was her son that we see a red cord tied to. Then the pattern continues. With men's names, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Rahab, if you remember, is the prostitute from Jericho who was faithful and she set out the red cord so that the Israelites knew not to attack her room and her house. And it was Rahab the prostitute that then was faithful and blessed and brought into the camp. And then Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, who was the Moabite, who is a non-Jew, and yet was a faithful woman. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. They don't mention her name. What they mention is the sin of David by saying that had been the wife of Uriah. Uriah was the Hittite that King David had Joab kill in battle. In other words, when David wanted and took Bathsheba. I have said this before, but one thing I love about the Bible is that it does not present people in rosy colored glasses. Our sin is laid bare and everybody's got it. And the bloodline of Jesus shows that Jesus was not a pure breed of Jews, but it is full of people, and especially in this line, the women of faith that God blessed. Remember that the first promise in Genesis 3.15 is that God made to the serpent And that was that God would send one through the seed of a woman who would crush him. And this is the line of Jesus. These four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah, also known as Bathsheba, all had difficult lives. But God blessed them because of their faithfulness. And then the last woman that is mentioned is Mary. She also had a difficult life, but she was blessed. And ladies, God will do the same with us. God is faithful and he keeps his word. And so when we are faithful, he blesses us. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, it is a beautiful gift. Let's not ignore it. Let's not harden our hearts. Instead, let's be women who obey today. 
Thank you so much for listening and may God bless until our next time together. Thank you. Bye.